welcome to episode 76 of the EDM podcast. My name is Sam Matler and if you're new to this, if you're new to the podcast and this is the first time you're listening, the EDM podcast is a show where I interview producers, engineers and industry experts. Uh, And today's guest is a good friend of mine. Now he has been on the podcast before. He came on for episode four, I believe. Uh, So a long, long time ago, about over two years ago now. He also edited the podcast for a long time. His name is Monoverse uh, and he's a fantastic trance producer. He's just launched a new label under Future Sound of Egypt called Parallels and we talk about that. But we also talk about the grind that is music production or the grind that is trying to make it as an artist Uh, because he's been doing this for nine years and you know I've watched him uh, like I've watched a lot of artists and they've pushed and they've pushed and they've pushed and they've slowly gained success Uh, so we talk about that we talk about what keeps them going we talk about why a lot of artists give up what causes them to give up and he also shares three great pieces of advice Uh, for artists trying to make it in this industry so i hope you enjoy the episode Uh, i certainly enjoyed recording it and if you did make sure to check out monoverse uh, on social media make sure to check out his music and also the new label parallels uh, under future sound of egypt so without further ado here is monoverse this episode is brought to you by edm foundations EDM Foundations is my course for new producers, those who've been producing for under 12 months or even those who've just started. The whole idea of the EDM Foundations course is that you learn the fundamentals of music production by actually doing and not just learning the theoretical stuff. The course consists of over 12 hours worth of streamable video where I walk you through the creation of three songs and give you advice and tips for working on your own original alongside them. We've had over 500 people sign up for this course. Many of them have had great results. If you want to learn more about the course, head over to edmfoundations.com. Santos, it is great to have you back on the show. I think you came on like, I mean, we go way back, obviously. Yeah. Years. It's been a Um, while since we've uh, done one of these though. Um, Yeah. I'm just trying to find out. I'm looking through SoundCloud. It was episode four. Wow, was the, it really episode the, four? I was the fourth. Yeah, you were the second guest on the show. Wow. Oh, it's an honor to be back. I mean, how long yeah. ago was that? Was that? I don't even, actually, don't tell me. I, I, that's going to be a nightmare to think about how long ago that it was. It was two years ago, <laughs> according to oh, SoundCloud, which. That's not so bad. August 2015. Okay, so it's yeah. two years and change, but. That's actually not as bad as I thought it was like thinking about it. That could have been way longer ago, it feels like, but okay, I'll take it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, oh man, like I remember you messaging me in like 2013, it must have been. That's when I think we started talking. Back yeah. in the Amped Artists days. you know. Yeah, back when I started that. And it's crazy to think about that because, I mean, considering uh where i am now like and thinking about that i mean as you know it takes a couple of uh i don't want to say flop projects but you know you 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 kind of have a learning curve with all the things that you're doing and uh yeah thinking about amped artists and then where i am now it's uh kind of crazy to think about and yeah 
Um, I think I'm responsible for putting out some of your first music, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's let's not talk about that. Um, <laughs> Spoiler alert. Uh, I don't know if I would call it music, but that's okay. Oh, uh, yeah. All right. I mean, it was. I mean, the quality of which, but I mean, that was, th- think about that. That was that was four years ago. So I think we both, true. I mean, what I was putting out there, like around, around along that those lines, like was just got awful as well, I think. So. Oh, man, I, I tried. I saw one message like I was strolling back through, like I said, our, our conversations. And I saw that you linked like one of your first releases and it wasn't on youtube like it'd been removed it was excess <laughs> sure point yeah i was actually looking for that i had well thanks for putting it out on the podcast but um i was hoping to hide that for for the rest of eternity <laughs> but, uh, i was actually right. looking at that because i did a reddit ama and somebody asked like what was your first song that you put out and are you proud of it like where like or do you regret it and i think my response was like yeah i regret it like i wish <laughs> i wish i'd never done that but you know, you live and you learn, and that was a old alias. Thankfully, I've changed aliases like three times since then. Yeah, so, yeah. even if you follow the trail, you probably won't find it. <laughs> well, to to kick this off, I want to say congratulations on the launch of Parallels. That's awesome stuff, and we'll talk about that later in the episode. But you've been in this for a while, and there's a question I really want to ask, and that is, what's kept you going? I mean, because it's a grind, and I've been watching kind of from the sideline watching you release stuff and like just pushing through and it's a slow process what has kept you going that's actually an awesome question and i wish uh, more people would think about this because it is a grind and it is like i like to think of it as like a it's a it's a marathon not a sprint and i realized um actually kind of recently that um after a certain point there's only <laughs> there's only so much that you can do and you just kind of have to keep doing it and there's you have to learn to take like for a while I didn't appreciate where I was and what I was doing and I would just do these things. And then at the end of it, I would say, okay, well that's done and not really think about it. So, and I think a lot of people were probably better at this already than I am, but I was so focused on the end goal that I wasn't taking into consideration what I was doing and uh, how far I'd come. So now I kind of try to try to appreciate the little milestones, like each step because they are, greatly important especially for your own mental health to be kind of proud of these things in a way and um so i you know even when i play a show i try to take like a like a memento with me like i actually have a collection of all these little like lanyards and um little flyers and stuff from shows in my room now and that was something that i wasn't doing because i just thought like i was so focused on the end game that i wasn't considering the moment so i think that's really important because I think, you know, it, 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 no matter what you're doing in music, it's just a lot of work and you're so focused on, on you know, kind of like this next big goal that in the moment you're not appreciating these little steps that you take to get there. So uh, yeah, that's been something that I had to learn along the way. And uh, yeah, I think I, I, I've noticed a lot of people are really good at that already and they're, they're super proud of what they're doing, which inherently is a really good quality to have. And that's something I'm trying to, work on myself <laughs> and i find i find that so hard like because there's kind of this tension between i don't know maybe you're similar to me like I'm, I'm hard on myself yeah and i think that is a good quality in the sense that like it drives me to do better and to improve and like i recognize my weaknesses and so on 
Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, it can be hard to go, oh, yeah, like I have done all of this. Yeah. Because part of me thinks that if I recognize that way and proud of myself, I'll slow down a little bit. Well, I think it's a balance because I'm, I'm definitely the same way that you are. And I think I'm super hard on myself and nothing that, I'm, that I've ever done really. Like to me, I think about it. It just doesn't for me. It's like it's just not enough. And that's a really good trait and a really bad trait because you get like for me, I get really burnt out when I think about it. I'm just like nothing good enough is happening. And should I keep going? Right. So, yeah, sure. But then where I'm at, I've, I've kind of had to learn to take a look at those steps along the way because I have done some pretty cool things, especially in the last year. Like, I mean, I don't think there was ever a point where I where I'd be able to. Like, actually, I didn't think there would ever be a point where I could actually say I played Tomorrowland or, you know, Luminosity Beach Festival. And I think even after Tomorrowland, I was like, well, that didn't matter. Like, (laughs) that wasn't an accomplishment. And then I had to think to myself, I'm like, wait a minute, that actually is. That's actually a pretty cool thing. So I think when you actually have an accomplishment that is worthwhile, it's important to appreciate it. Now, there are some people who like self-release a track and then they think that they're like god's gift to music and i think that's a mistake but you know if you're doing some really cool things it's important to appreciate that and think about them as accomplishments because they are and you could get really burnt out i know i did for a very long time and i still do occasionally where i'm just like i haven't done anything worthwhile so uh yeah i mean it's a balancing act yeah so so you burnt out yeah i mean actually burnt out yeah like i mean there there have been moments where i you know almost hung it up and packed it in but i think we all kind of go through that uh and tell tell me about that though because i'm curious like what (laughs) yeah one of those times what happened i mean it's you know after after a while of doing this for so long you actually get into like this kind of perpetual state of like almost being completely done with it and i i think it's something that a lot of people go through after a while of doing uh music and kind of not seeing enough return on investment kind of thing. And for me, it's been more kind of like a baseline level of, all right, maybe I should pack it in kind of thing. And I think it goes back to your question of like, what kind of keeps you going? Because that is finding that is super important. And for me, it's just the realization. I think that music is super fulfilling and some of the things I'm doing are just things that a lot of people don't get to do or don't even want to do. So just really appreciating the art and appreciating every opportunity that you get helps. But yeah, for me, it was, it was never like a specific moment. It was just kind of like times where I just took a look at it and it was like, yeah, maybe this is enough. But I also, again, going back to the personality thing, I'm also the kind of guy who just doesn't, when I do things, I do them like a hundred percent and I, I'm not going to give up until I've, until I've won, which is going to be never with this. So I don't think I'm ever going to stop. (laughs) (laughs) Man, I love that. Uh, and totally understand. I don't think it's limited to just music. Um, yeah, you know, I think like, yeah, I think a lot of creatives or a lot of entrepreneurs can, entrepreneurs can kind of, um, relate to that because, you don't really have this set quantifiable path. You have this. Exactly. You, you don't really have any way to um, yeah, to quantify anything that you're doing. So you have to kind of go this path alone and figure out what works for you. And I think a lot of us hit roadblocks where, you know, you think about it and you're, you have to kind of weigh the pros and cons and figure out if you're going to keep going or not. And yeah, I think a lot of creatives or entrepreneurs can relate to that. Why do you think some 
artists, producers fail or give up? Like, why do you think they walk away from the craft? Well, I think a lot of people, and it's understandable that you want recognition and you want success. And this isn't something that everybody is going to get it, um, especially not right away. So, and I mean, even what, like for me, we're talking, I've been doing this eight, eight years, nine years almost total. Um, and I'm, it's just starting to this last year start to pay off really. And I think a lot of people just don't realize how long it's going to take or they just can't handle that, that really long journey. And it depends on what you're doing too, because some, you know, I mean, some genres of music are just more popular than others. And in those genres, you might be able to kind of shortcut a little bit. But I mean, even then, when you're talking about like pop electronic music, it's it's still not going to be an overnight success thing. Even if you do it really well, it could take five to eight years before you even see any kind of, you know, return on investment on your time. So I think, yeah, I think a lot of people just don't realize how long it's going to take and then get kind of bitter that the scene is not giving them what they need, which it's fair, but yeah, <laughs> you can't really have expectations with it. You just have to work towards your goals and kind of set realistic goals in the first place and, you know, try and sustain yourself that way. And you're not entitled to anything. Right. Uh, it's not it, like you enter the music industry and you deserve X or Y. I, I think so many people, I, well, I think it, it's a problem with kind of the way that I don't want to say my generation, but it's just kind of just the say way it, things bro, are. Yeah. Yours. I mean, it's kind of the way that we were raised, which is like, yeah. you know, you go to school, you, you graduate your grade and then you get a diploma at the end that says, Hey, you did this. But I mean, you can't have that mindset with music because it just doesn't work like that. And there's just not enough. There's too many mouths to feed and not enough opportunity yeah. in the first place. So I hate to say it, but you really didn't choose something that's super gratifying and super rewarding for the low level of things. Like, yeah, the, the upside is that, you know, if you make it past that curve, like it's exponentially rewarding for that top, you know, 5% of people, but to get there in the first mm -hmm. place, it's, it's a long journey. Whoa. Sorry. Uh, it's cold, I, I forget if we can curse on the, on the podcast. <laughs> I'm still not sure. I, I like, I yeah. <laughs> You, yeah, you can go back and bleep that it out if you like. like I haven't, we've never bleeped anything out. I've had one complaint. <laughs> okay, over that's like seventy-five good. episodes. So, um, <laughs> which yeah, I don't know. I think like they listened to it with their kid or something. So I was like, right. Oh, wow. Yeah, that makes sense. So maybe, yeah, maybe edit um, that out for that one kid who listens. <laughs> don't know if they listen anymore. <laughs> <laughs> maybe. Uh, <laughs> I, I hope not. so. Um, I hope they do. <laughs> I mean, I was thinking about this before uh, the interview. You've just stuck to trance like over those eight, nine years. Mm. Uh, has there been any temptation to kind of transition or do something else because you felt like it would have had more commercial success? Uh, no, because I know that my heart wouldn't be in it. And I think authenticity in music goes a long way. And more of the people that I find are that that make it in music really truly believe in what they're doing no matter what it is i mean and i think that's probably one of the most important aspects so for me it's like i know if i made a transition to anything else that i didn't really fully believe in what i was doing i would fail at it just because i just wouldn't have the same motivation that i do with the kind of music that i enjoy now that's not to say that that might, like it might change in the future i might in five years i might just say well 
I'm really not into trance and I want to do something else. And I found this other genre of music that I really enjoy and want to make. But, you know, yeah. up until up until this moment right now, it's always been trance. So I think for me, it's just more authenticity goes a long way um, in what you're making. And I think it comes across as well in what you're making. So I just know that if I try to do like, uh, I don't know, like future future bass or something, I just it just wouldn't be as good as what I'm doing in trance. So it, it would probably fail. <laughs> right, right. That's a good mindset to have. I've got a couple more questions related to this and then I want to talk about parallels. So what is success to you? Oh, that's a great question. And for a while I thought success would be, I mean, it changes as I keep going because when I first started this, I thought success would just be releasing with a record label. And then I keep finding these like the next step that I define success as. So I think I, I determine it as whatever my next goal would be. And um, I think at a baseline level, success is just, it's whatever you kind of set it to be because what's success for me isn't success for say Eric Prids or something. It's totally, it's a totally yeah, yeah, different of course. ball game. So uh, you're like, you're dodging the question. What is success to you? <laughs> <laughs> For me right now, I think success would be in the next year to do, um, to do a tour and really do the label thing, uh, super well. And at the end of that, I would be able to say, okay, I'm successful in that. But for me, success doesn't really exist. It's just the next step. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So oh, I, 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 I totally agree. Yeah. Uh, I, and there's another mindset that I, that I have with it, which is success would be able to being, being able to support myself with, with my own music, um, yeah. with just my own, you know, artist stuff. So as an artist that would be supporting, supporting myself fully just on my own music and touring. So that would be right. the other side, the flip side of that coin. I think it's, it's kind of a destructive mindset to have this one goal that is achievable for, for instance, you get these, like athletes uh, in college and they're just like their life goal is to be a pro football player. And then like they get an injury and it puts them out for like years and that's it. Like that I is it. Even, and they get depressed yeah. because that's all they had thought about. That's all they'd worked towards. Um, and they'd base like their happiness off that, the achievement of that goal. Yeah. Uh, and I think that is dangerous. Even with music producers, like if your goal and, and if, if you say, I'm not going to be happy, unless this happens, like unless I play Coach Shala, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and then something happens and you just can't do it. Like that sucks. I can't, I mean, to be honest, when you, when, when I think about like people who are on the cusp of becoming professional football players and then like, you know, like have some kind of major injury and can't play, I can't even imagine what happens there oh, because yeah. I mean, even when my little like accomplishments fall short, like, I, I I can still go into these like kind of self-destructive mindsets. So something major like that must be catastrophic mentally. But um, yeah, I think it's important. And that's why I try to gauge success by the little next step because it can be super, super, super hard to deal with if you set your goals super high and don't really quantify the little steps in between and then you fall short and then it's like, well, crap, what do I do now? Because where where I'm at, setting these little steps towards success help kind of. Even if I fall short at one, it's I could just say, okay, what else did I have in mind? What else did what, like what other offshoots can I can I kind of move towards? So I think it's important. You've been doing this for nine years. What's been the biggest challenge you'll face in those nine years as an artist? 
and how do you deal with it? Yeah, I think it's actually been the realization that no matter how far you get in the music thing, it never gets easier. Cause I thought, I thought I would find like team members or like, you know, managers that would really take the, take the weight off my shoulders kind of thing. But I mean, it goes back to what you're saying, like, or it goes back to the, to the saying, uh, you know, if you want something done right, you have to do it yourself. And I can't tell you how many times like I've, you know, I've told someone to do like an email blast or, you know, like a social media post. And then I read it and I'm like totally embarrassed because it's not my voice and it's not how I would do it. And I, maybe I'm a bit of a control freak, but I think the hardest thing has been uh, not being able to delegate some responsibility to other people, even with like, even with the the label thing that I'm doing, I'm, you know, coming across things where I, I realized I needed to do it myself if I want it done right. Yeah. And uh, it just never gets easier. And I really thought for a while that, you know, oh, like, you know, these guys have general managers and they have a whole team behind them and everything is probably smooth and they probably just make music themselves. And then I realized if you really want to do it right, you either have to find someone who is exactly, you have to find a clone of yourself uh, mentally or just do it yourself or be super involved in the process. So that's been one of the hardest things because uh, as I get further and further, I find more and more things I need to do. And the plate of work only grows exponentially as you get further. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. Um, I feel like you've had some bad experiences with managers slash labels. Without using names or anything, can you tell like one story of dealing with a label that didn't turn out well or you kind of regret it or you'll do it differently? Yeah. I mean, there's not a lot of, I mean, there is a lot of little specific things, but it's not worth it to really detail the specific things. But I think you come across a lot of hobbyists in this, in, in music who are just doing it on the side and maybe don't have the same attention to detail that you would. And some things just kind of like, it could be something as little as like just proofreading um, like a press release or something, or, you know, sometimes you get something major like, you get a flyer for something and you're like, holy crap, that's way off base. Like, can you not put that on the internet? <laughs> and yeah. uh, I, I think you come across these little experiences. And I think one of the important things to realize is that unfortunately you do deal with a lot of hobbyists and it's not really their fault because they, their heart is in the right place, but you know, they just don't have the same amount of time that someone who's doing something full time would and so you're going to come across these little these little errors that you have to kind of roll with the punches or else you don't want to be that guy who's a pain in the ass to work with but you also don't want to be that guy who just kind of lets everything slides and let like lets his image suffer because of it so i think it's a again a balancing act and being able to be someone who's likable and easy to work with but at the same time not let things be put in a bad light or make you look like a unprofessional, you know? So yeah, it's definitely tough to deal with these hurdles. Totally. So you just launched something with future sound of Egypt mm -hmm. parallels. It's a new label. Tell us more about that. Why did you, I mean, what go back to the start, like how did this, what was the conception? I mean, I'll go even further behind that and say, uh, you know, we were talking about the first label that I ran. And so I've been I've been doing these kind of like uh, independent record labels uh, just to kind of learn the process of putting out music for, for years now. And uh, I started with Amped Artists and then eventually we did In Motion Music kind of recently. And then now now I'm doing the F FSOE Parallels label. And uh, what happened was their their sub label for Progressive Trance had uh, kind of split from FSOE 
it was called Excelsior at the time. And a few months ago, the, the artist who was running that had decided that he wanted to take it independent. So Ali and Fila were looking for someone to head up the, uh, the new progressive label under FSOE. And, uh, so Fadi from Ali and Fila texted me and he was like, Hey, you know, I think you're the right fit, you know, given that you've run labels before and I, he really supports my sound. And so he had actually asked me to, uh, he wanted to talk about it in person. So I went down to DC when he was there for a show and I had, uh, I actually came up with the brand and the whole idea for it, uh, before going to that. So we had to, you know, kind of talk about it and we were on the, on the, on the same page greatly with the style of music and, uh, what we had in mind for the record label and he loved the brand name. So it was kind of a perfect fit. So after that meeting in DC, uh, you know, we spent time getting the brand sorted and getting things ready for launch. And that just happened last week. And yeah, now here we are. And we have a lot of really cool stuff lined up. Um, some artists that I'm uh, really, really incredibly proud to work with uh, coming up on the record label, like artists that I've loved back in the day that are now releasing on my record label. Um, so it's it's pretty nuts to think about. And uh, yeah, I'm super happy with how it's going. So yeah, that's the whole backstory. <laughs> so what is the the vision with the label or what like what what do you want to do with it? So I think you know me. I've again going back to authenticity, it's really important for me to believe in what I'm doing. And I think you could think of just a handful of record labels who you listen to them and like, ah, oh, it sounds like it sounds like they're wanting to be in June beats or they're sounding like, you know, these kind of styles, which is, you know, that's great. That gives artists an outlet that isn't engine to release on those labels, but that's not what I'm looking for. What I want is people who uh, really believe in what they're doing um, and really have a unique sound that we could kind of build together because I think that's more important. Again, believing in what you're doing and having your own kind of style and take on stuff is important. So yeah, that's really a big part of the label. And the other part of it is kind of not catering to a sound at all and trying to do something that you're not going to find anywhere else. And there's a couple of people who are sending me demos that sound like, you know, maybe like really old school cold Harbor sounds, but with a modern production quality. And for me, it's really cool because it's like nobody else is signing this music. I mean, except for really small, really small independent labels. So it's giving these artists um, a kind of a bigger outlet to put out this really unique approach to progressive trance that isn't being heard really anywhere else. And I think a lot of labels care about like airplay and stuff like that. Like, you know, it has to be on ABGT or ASOP, but there's only so many spots every week. Um, and there's thousands of tracks hitting these inboxes. So I want to build it to be something where it's more of an outlet for artists where they don't have to depend on you know, Armin or above and beyond. Not to that, like that playlist thing is great and it's awesome exposure, but it's not the end all be all. And I think that's important. So giving people a platform outside of uh, radio shows in, in the trans world for me is just something that I'm really happy that I can work on. Yeah, I like that. Would you say that uh, Parallels has a specific sound or is it more that releases share characteristics? Yeah, I think it's definitely more so the latter. Um, and I think for me, it's like, I, I know it's important to to have kind of a style to the record label, and I think we do. Um, but I also want people to feel like they have room to grow and experiment because going back to what we were talking about before, like it is I, I've been in that situation where I've been exclusive with record labels and they want you to do a 
certain sound or a certain style. And then at the end of it, you're burnt out because not only do you not believe in what you're doing, but you just kind of feel like backed up against the wall and you don't know how to, how to really get around that. So I want people releasing on the record label to feel like that they have the room to kind of experiment within the realm of progressive trance. And uh, so, yeah, it's not really so much um, that we have a specific style, but definitely just uh, things that are, like have continuity between the releases right all right gotcha that's amazing and if people want to submit a demo how can they do that uh they could just send it to santos at futuresoundofegypt.com and uh you know i i am getting a lot of demos but i try to respond to all of them uh even if it's just to give you guys a little bit of feedback and say it's not for us but i mean to be honest i'm getting a lot of really great work that i'm you know either I, I work with a lot of guys on the production front to get it to get it up to scratch and that's how that that sort of thing. So I'm I'm really trying to trying to do as much work as I can and give enough people the opportunity. So yeah, please send your demos through because I want to hear it. Awesome. Uh, so switching gears, you mentioned in a recent AMA that you do intermittent fasting. Oh yeah, and that you're way more focused when you're fasted. Uh, does this help with production? And, and why? Like I've tried it and. I probably should do it because it's really good, but like, why? So I actually went to school for nutrition. Um, and so that's kind of my, my, my background in it. And, uh, back when I was in really great shape, I was doing intermittent fasting, uh, for the purposes of like weight loss and cutting down to like beneath a 10% body fat. So, (laughs) um, intermittent fasting kind of helped me, uh, not only, uh, count, calories and kind of adhere to that better but um i think it was just like more practical for me to do and it worked really well so for a while there i kind of lost sight of what i was doing and didn't really care about what i was eating and now now i'm really back into you know working out and being healthy again because um it is super important to me and it should be like a priority taking care of yourself should be a priority so intermittent fasting for me uh is just super practical in the sense that like I can do one, you know, a couple hours a day of eating and get all my calories in and then not have to really worry about it elsewhere. And, um, I think for me, I'm definitely more, way more focused and yeah, it, it helps with music production. Cause I'm getting a lot more done when I'm, you know, so I do a pretty extreme window, which I'm not recommending for people to start out with, but you could definitely work towards it, which is I only eat for like four hours a day now. So I have 20 hour fasting periods. And, um, during that I get I get so much more work done than say if I'm eating throughout the day, because I feel like lethargic if I have like too much sugar in a sitting and then I'm, I'm just like, you have the itis and you just kind of sit there in your potato. Um, (laughs) and, uh, so it definitely helps with productivity. And, um, I've actually gone beyond that recently. Um, and I've done, uh, extended fasts, you know, for, uh, three days at a time. How is that? I I know this departs from like the EDM broadcast, but I, I, so interested. So for people listening who are like, oh, I don't want to hear about fasting. I'm sorry. Um, yeah, it's, it's definitely, yeah, it's it, so, uh, for me, I thought it was way, like, I thought it was going to be way worse. Cause I'm, 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 I'm also from that nutrition background and it goes against everything that you kind of learn in basic nutrition classes, which is like, you know, especially sports nutrition classes where they're like, oh, you have to eat sure. every three hours and that sort of thing. So you think, oh man, I'm benefits, gonna- right? Yeah. Oh, there's tons of benefits. Tim Ferriss Ferriss has a lot of stuff on it. I know that. Yeah. And uh, if I could plug uh, Tim Ferriss and um, uh, Dr. Rhonda Patrick, who does uh, the Mm. Found My Fitness podcast, uh, definitely worth uh, listening to uh, if you're into this sort of stuff. But um, 
uh, yeah, I thought the three day fast was going to be brutal and it wasn't. So you kind of hit this peak on the first day of fasting, not even the first day within the, within the first couple hours of, of knowing that you're not going to eat for three days, <laughs> uh, you, you reach that kind of peak of hunger. And I think like, you don't even ever get more hungry than that first few hours. Your, your hunger peaks at a certain point. So three, three days was actually a lot easier. When I hit the third day, I actually went for another half day. And I, so I did like another uh i did almost another full i must have done 16 hours past the 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 three-day mark actually but i probably could have gone for five or seven but i didn't want to push it for my first day fast but i found like three is a pretty good way to um like kind of start out with the extended fast and you're again you're not going to get any you're not going to have to deal with hunger in the way that you think you are um and there's Mm -hmm. a ton of of benefits to it like um I, i don't know how technical you want to get into this but uh there, so your body has something called autophagy where it clears out bad like uh broken cells and that sort of stuff and so this is happening normally but fasting is a good way to induce it like kind of throughout your whole body in a in a certain way and um so at the end of the three-day fast you feel a difference like for me i think just from being super stressed and uh doing so much in the music world and i've dealt with like years of like kind of having this on and off brain fog um mm. which is like you know just not being able to focus and like just kind of like having that so much stress that you just you're doing a million things that you don't know how to handle them um and that kind of built up over the years and at the end of the three-day fast that was gone and it's been gone since and intermittent fasting helped with that leading up to it but i mean it was life-changing like at the end of the three-day fast being like wow i feel like a almost a new human being like and i i really think that everybody no matter what I mean, unless you're type one diabetic, you should, you shouldn't be fasting obviously. But, um, if you're even for type two diabetics, intermittent fasting does help a lot. And, um, I mean, I think everybody, if you're in normal health, you should fast for an extended period, at least once a year, just because there's so many benefits to longevity and that sort of stuff, like just cardiovascular health and that so many health benefits. If you read up on it, it's, it's crazy how, how much it helps. So yeah, I definitely I'm a big proponent proponent for it. Bit of a story. Like <laughs> I did my first ever, I think it was first. Maybe I've done it before, but without being conscious of it. I was like, do you know Jocko Willink? Uh, no, I don't. He's, he's on the Tim Ferriss show, but like former Navy SEAL, just really hard guy. And I got his book and there was just a section on fasting. And it was like, the first sentence was fasting is a gift. And I was like, okay. Um, and then right through, I was like, I'm going to do a 24 hour fast. And so I did, but I like, I don't do IF, so yeah, um, it was even harder. But you're probably going to think I'm weak because it's 24 hours. But no, no, not at all. I like I hadn't eaten much beforehand, and I just decided to do a fast. And I was like, cool. Went to the gym, deadlifts, blah blah blah. Kept going through. I was hungry, slept, woke up, run, and then like I got to 10:30. I was so hungry, but I got so much work done as well. And yeah. I don't know why. What the link is there? Um, but this is where I messed up. When it reached like 4 p.m. the next day, so 24 hours, like <laughs> I went to the grocery store and I was like, oh, you know, I'll get like a healthy lunch. <laughs> I already know where this is going. <laughs> <laughs> like, so, so I bought uh, like, you know, like grass-fed beef and um, just some some good bread to make like burgers, but not super unhealthy burgers. Yeah. And then I walked past like the baking cabinet 
and I saw the donut and then I saw like this apple turnover and I was like, yeah, I'll just grab both. Uh, and then <laughs> and as I was driving home, I was like, I'll eat that after lunch. Like, oh, oh, that's God. okay. Oh, as God. I was driving home, my hand, like I'm not even conscious of it, my hand just like moves towards the bag and I just start like eating while I'm driving. And it's like a five minute drive back home. And I'm just like munching it down, man. And I get home and I realize that like there's pizza in the fridge because um, my girl had like pizza the night before and she just left it in there. Like, oh my goodness, man. I started eating that while I was cooking. And then after that, I felt horrible. No. So I don't recommend that. If you're going to do a 24 hour fast, like just keep eating healthy afterwards. Yeah. Or just start out slow. I, I, I made the yeah, same mistake because yeah. you read a lot of different people's opinions online and a lot of people are like, oh, I can handle eating anything after a fast. And then you have people who are probably more like us, where if you punish your body like that, you're going to be in the bathroom like 20 minutes later. And, um, mm. yeah, you kind of have to be careful with it, with, uh, with what you intake after doing an extended fast because your body, I mean, those systems have been shut off for, for a while. So when you, when you throw some pizza and donuts into, into your body after not eating for, <laughs> you know, 24 hours or more, uh, it's going to be brutal. Um, and also like, I, I think like for me, what I've learned is I kind of start out slow. Now when I get back into it, I do like a smoothie first and then maybe an hour later I'll have a meal. So your body kind of preps mm -hmm. it with the liquid and then, you know, you go and eat your meal and it's a lot, it's a lot easier to handle. I think. <laughs> noted. Noted. Um, <laughs> okay. So a few more questions. Uh, what do people never ask you that you wish they did? Ooh. Ooh. Let me think about this for a second. Actually, I think it goes back to that question that you did ask me in this interview, which is, you know, what has sustained you? Uh, because I think a lot of people don't realize how long the progress, like how long it takes to do stuff and kind of the accomplishments along the way might not seem the way that they are to people. So it's kind of refreshing to get a question like that because it makes you it, it makes you think way harder about how like how long it's taken you to get where you are and what you've accomplished so yeah and i think on the artist front like i wish more people would ask what are you doing outside of music that has sustained you because i think a lot of artists me included have to learn how to how to balance you know the rest of life with what we're doing and you could get kind of sucked into this hole where all you're doing is music and that's not good either because it's not good for creativity or anything it's important to have other things that you're doing, whether it's art artistically or just other things that you do in your daily routine. So I wish for artists that come to me with questions, if, like if I could give them one, one bit of advice and nobody ever asks, it's like, what else are you doing outside of music? And, you know, I would love to give them that kind of feedback. So how do you balance it then? How do you not get so obsessed and closed off and involved with music? I think for me, it's been finding other creative outlets that aren't music because I think at a certain point, like there's always more to be learned in music, but at a certain point you've refined your skill set enough, uh, where every time you show up to make music, you're either like you're you're gonna be good enough at it where you're gonna be able to create something. And I think for me it's been important to not have like all of my creative energies put into music because it becomes tedious at that point. Like 
where you're all you're doing is making music. So for me, it's been finding a daily routine where I have more outlets than just music too. So I do like some creative writing on the side. Um, I mean, even just like doodling, uh, I do a lot of reading and just like these little outlets that kind of jog the creative muscles in a different way. And I think that's important. And uh, also just outside of that, like having a daily routine has definitely helped. And that was something that, that I lost sight of. So now I'm like in the gym pretty, pretty constantly. I wake up and go to bed at certain times. And that was something that I lost sight of for a while because I was so obsessed with um, with this music thing. That I would say, oh, screw it. Who needs to sleep eight hours a night? You know, you could I'll just work all day on music. And that's not a healthy mindset to have <laughs> to have either, you know. Yeah, that'll destroy you. Yeah, but going back to the burnout thing, that definitely didn't help because I was just like obsessed with making music. And then you get to a point where you're just, you know, you're, you've torn yourself to pieces over it and you're not going to be very productive in that mental state either. What is the best music production purchase under 100? Actually, actually, before I ask that, what do you do or what resources do you consume to continue to develop that edge? In music production because I think it's easy at the level you're at now to kind of just make songs and be like oh yeah like I'm good like you know what I mean what do you do to continue continue to push that forth uh, forward and develop your skills for me it's been trying to write other types of music that aren't trance because again getting obsessed with what I was doing it's been like uh, you know, strictly making trance for, for a while. And then after a while you haven't re- refined any other kind of skills. So I, I try to have at least like a project a week where I'm just writing different kinds of music and it doesn't have to be, you know, fleshed out to the point where I would take my trance tracks, but I think the initial creative process changes. And I think that's really healthy um, to kind of refine different kinds of skills. But it's funny because that was, that that's something that you do. I think a lot of people do when they're learning early on, because I mean, that's something I did when I was learning early on. It was just, I wanted to, to learn how to make music in general. So I would just make music in general. And then you pigeonhole yourself into this creative process where you're only making one style of music. And now it's coming back to basics for me where I'm going back to that, something that I did in the beginning. And um, it's been really kind of helpful in refining different kinds of skills because now I can approach it with more of a thorough production knowledge and being able to do that versus when you're doing it in the start of making music and just making music for the, for the hell of it, uh, it's a totally different mindset. So being able to come back to basics, so to speak, has been really rewarding. Mm, I like that. So best music production purchase under $100. Ooh. It doesn't have to be software. It can be hardware. It can be software. It can be anything. Mm. Mm-hmm-hmm. You know what? I'm going to, I'm going to say something that might be a little, <laughs> a little controversial. I don't think that there is a lot under a hundred dollars that is really worth it to invest in that will really be a game changer for you. I think there's a lot of really cool plugins. Um, I think there's a lot of cool little resources um, that you could buy for a hundred bucks, but whether or not it's make it or break it, I don't think that really exists at that price point. And I think I agree. <laughs> for me it would probably be like a new synth plugin or something stupid like that but that's only because that gives you kind of like a creative jolt you know you get a new toy to play with and you say okay well that you know that might kickstart a really good project for you but in terms of the long run i don't think that really is sustainable you know um i think there's probably a lot of really cool learning resources that you could you know pay a 100 bucks for and 
get a lot more out of like sonic academy probably has stuff like that or <clears throat> you know products on edmprod.com <laughs> <laughs> that are w- probably worth it to invest and i think that'll go a lot a lot further um than say a little synth plugin but yeah again it, it's the price point because there's a lot of really cool courses out there that you can pay a little bit more for um and get a lot more out of them so good answer good answer I will refine that question <laughs> in the future. So final question, and I kind of stopped asking people this for a while, but um, then I did two interviews like we switched. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Sarah Curry both know interviewed me and he asked me it, and then another guy. Um, and I just realized how hard it was to answer. So <laughs> now I'm going to ask you. Perfect. Uh, <clears throat> you're walking down the street and uh, – so UFO comes down, you know, where this is going and uh, these aliens pop out and they're like, hey, we're going to take you away to whatever planet they live on. Not Mars because we haven't found life up there. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> they give you a piece of paper and a pen and they say, you can write three pieces of advice on this piece of paper to leave behind. We'll give you half an hour. Uh, what is on that piece of paper? Three pieces of advice for musicians. I'm assuming for producers. Yeah, we'll we'll narrow it down. Oh, you're just saying in general. That doesn't make it any easier. It's like, <laughs> 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 all right. So we'll we'll say in general. Um, all right. So I guess the first thing would be to learn how to make music. Pigeonholing yourself is a really great way to learn specific styles and production techniques and that sort of stuff. And that that's a great learning point. But I think to to cultivate success you have to kind of travel your own path and catering to a certain sound or style is only going to hinder you in the long run because no label or i mean even you know even writers can benefit from this it's like nobody wants a copycat to really push at the higher level of things um nobody really wants to push someone who doesn't have their own creative identity so i think at a certain point you have to kind of give up the worrying about a certain label or a certain sound or a certain style and being able to follow your own inner voice and make something that's unique uh, goes a much further way. And again, uh, plays into authenticity, which is a huge factor in success in music, I think. So yeah, that would be advice one. Long, dramatic pause until the next one, edit this out. But uh, wow, this is incredibly hard. Why is this so hard? I know, man. (laughs) My second point would be Taking care of yourself, both mentally and physically, is a big factor that nobody tells you to do along the way. And you kind of have to, I think a lot of people have to learn the hard way by, you know, ending up in a hole in the first place and then having to dig themselves out of it. But um, it's incredibly important to take good care of yourself, both just a good routine and um, like, you know, even if you need mental health help kind of thing, it's like, there's no shame in that. And what you're doing is incredibly hard if you're a creative. So, um, you know, being able to have like a support system is an incredibly important thing to, to have. So that's my, that's another big piece of advice is to take care of yourself as well as you can. Uh, cause that will pay off exponentially in the long run. My last piece of advice would be there are no secrets to success, but if there's one thing that's almost a secret to success, uh, it's that, consistency and consistently putting in time over a super long period of time is probably the only 
definite, almost definite way to cultivate success one way or another. Um, and a lot of people don't tell you that. And it's just going to take a really long time and you're going to have to do, I think consistency is one of the biggest things in determining success as well. So not only doing something for a long time, but doing it well consistently over a long period of time uh, is definitely one of the factors to success. And nobody, this is going to sound so ass backwards, but nobody who's made it has given up kind of thing. And (laughs) like, like the only people who have made it have not have, have just continued to do it. You know, whether making it to you is being able to release on a record label or making it is being able to support yourself or making it is being on, you know, a a major record label or something like that. Um, To get there, you really have to just keep going and keep your head down and keep doing what you're doing and do it for a really long period of time. And yeah. Wow, that was a really hard question. (laughs) I know. I, I didn't realize how hard it was to answer until I got asked it. I was like, man. I've asked that question to like 30 people. That sucks. I think if you get a good answer for those three points, it's like, wow, that's actually really helpful. So, I mean, I hope I, exactly. I hope I gave some, a little bit of worthy knowledge in there. Yeah. You don't want someone to come to you like 10 years later and be like, you know what, man, I'm homeless. Like, <laughs> I'm addicted to drugs. And it was all because you gave this piece of advice. I mean, one can only hope it doesn't have to be that extreme. Even if it's just like, hey, this really helped me get a song done. That's good enough for me, I think. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, man, thanks heaps for coming on the show again. It's, this has been awesome. I uh, always love talking. It's an honor to be back on the show. Thanks for having me again. And, um, you of know, course, for, for what you're doing, it's always great, you know, to see more stuff going out and see all the great things that you're doing with EDM Prod. And uh, yeah, just thanks for having me be a part of it once again. Awesome, man. Appreciate it. Is there anything else you want to plug before we before we go? Yeah, I guess uh, if you want to connect with me, everything is uh, slash Moniverse. So Facebook, Twitter, YouTube.com slash Moniverse. Um, for the label stuff, if anyone's interested, that's FSOE Parallels. Again, all the socials are slash FSOE Parallels. And if you want to send me demos, that's Santos at FutureSoundOfEgypt.com. And uh, yeah, get in touch. <laughs>